So this video is part two of point categories. Here we're going to go over the rest of the point categories. Things like front move points, back shoe points, Madanyang heavenly star points, Gao Wu command points, the eight meeting points, the 13 Sun Sumiao ghost points, and possibly so much more. So if you want to follow along with the slides, you can download them at the website tcmstudy.net under the introduction to acupuncture tab. There you can also download the audio version of this lecture if you want to listen to this on the go. And this video is brought to you by viewers like you. So to everyone who supports this channel, thank you. But let's go ahead and get started with point categories part two. So if you remember back to part one of this video, we talked about why we learn point categories in acupuncture, and we said that there are two different types of categories. There's one set of category point categories that these points exist on every channel. So every channel has a she-cleft point. There's a she-cleft point of the lung, she-cleft point of the large intestine, she-cleft point of the stomach, blah, blah, blah. And so these points exist on every channel, and they're usually on the limbs. They're usually from the elbow down and the knee down, and we sometimes collectively refer to those as the antique points. Well, here in part two, we're going to go over that other type of point category where these are points that don't necessarily exist on every channel. So when we talk about the Gawu command points, it's not like every channel has its own Gawu command point. It's really just this is a collection of points that have a similar function, so we group them together and call it a category. The other thing we can say is with that first set of point categories, the antique points, those, we could say that that category function had something to do with the qi dynamic at that point. Or we could say its action was based on how the qi was flowing through the channel at that particular point. But when we get to these point categories, that's not really the case. These points are just kind of spread all over, and it's not necessarily related to the qi dynamic. It's just more that these had a common functions, so we grouped them together. So that's what we're talking about in this video with point categories part two. So let's get started with our first one, which is the front move and back shoe points. And these are kind of similar, so we tend to talk about them together. So the front move and back shoe points are points that exist on the trunk of the body, not the limbs. And so I just point this out because with those antique points, a lot of, most of those were on the arm, on the uh, arm below the elbow, or on the leg below the knee. These points are not on the limbs, they're on the trunk. The front move points are on the front of the body, on the chest and abdomen. The back shoe points are on the back of the body. And these points are associated with the organs. They are not associated with the channels. So again, with, uh, with those antique points, those points had something to do with how the chi was flowing through the channel at the time. These points are on the trunk. They don't have to do with the channel, they have to do with the organ. So it turns out that we do have a front move and a back shoe point for each of the 12 organs, but those points are not necessarily on the associated channel. So we have a front move point of the lung, a front move point of the large intestine, a front move point of the spleen, but the front move point of the large intestine is stomach 25. It's not on the large intestine channel. The front move point of the stomach is REN 12. It's not on the stomach channel. The back shoe points, those are all on the urinary bladder channel on the back. So the point is these points are associated with the organs, but not the channels. And then we can say that each point is roughly located level with its associated organ. So like we said, the front move point of the large intestine is stomach 25. It's next to the belly button. And that's about where your intestines are. The front move point of the stomach is REN 12. And that's about where your stomach organ is. And we're going to see the same thing with the back shoe points, that they're roughly at the same area of where the organ is. So that's kind of an overview of front move and back shoe points, but let's talk about them each individually. So when we say back shoe points, the term shoe means to transport. And this is really confusing because it turns out that this is the same character shoe when we talk about the five shoe transport points, that shoe also means transport, and really the shoe stream points, that shoe also means transport. So in Chinese, it gets a little confusing. So that's why in English, we just say the 
back shoe points. And the reason we call it is these points transport chi to the internal organs. So these are points on the back and they transmit the chi to the internal organs. And that's why we say these points are associated with the organs. So there are 12 back shoe points that correspond to the 12 zong fu, to the 12 organs, the, the yin and yang organs, and they are all on the back on the yubi channel or on the bladder channel. So again, these are not associated with the channels. There's one point for every organ, but each of those points is on the yubi channel. Each of the point is a bladder point. And then like we said, each point is, is located roughly at the same anatomical level as its associated organ. What do we mean by that? Well, the lung is in the upper body, so the back shoe point of the lung is on the upper back. The spleen and stomach are in the middle jowl, so the back shoe points of the spleen and stomach are on the middle of the back. The kidney is in the lower jowl, so the back shoe point of the kidney is on the lower back. So it's kind of roughly where its organ is. Sometimes it's like if you stuck your needle in deep enough, you could actually you would actually hit the organ. Not that you would actually do that, but they're at the same anatomical level. That's how we're able to uh, transport that chi to the organ because they're kind of in the same vicinity. And then we say classically, this is may, may, or may or may not be too, classically back shoe points are indicated for diseases of yin. That means diseases involving deficiency, cold, or diseases of the yin organs. And this is maybe true. It's something that both Deadman and Machiocha kind of touch on, that based on these classical statements, we might infer that back shoe points are used for yin conditions. But both of them admit that even if that's the case, in practice, we actually use back shoe points for all kinds of conditions related to the organs. So basically, if you have anything going on with an organ, you can probably choose the back shoe point for treatment. So here we have a list of the back shoe points. And so here you can see all of them are located on the urinary bladder channel. So each back shoe point is a bladder point. What's also kind of interesting is we have the organs and then I went ahead and put the name of the point there as well. So the name of each point has shoe in the name. So it's just the, the point name is just the name of the organ plus the word shoe. So UB13, the name of UB13 in Chinese is Fei Shu, which means lung shoe. UB20, the name of the point is Pi Shu, which means spleen shoe. So all of these points are named after their organs as well. And I will say, just as a side note, at least when I was teaching in school, kind of our rule was you don't have to memorize the points until you actually learn that channel. So we're going to go over a lot of point categories, but I wouldn't, at least when I was teaching, I wouldn't expect you to memorize what each of these points are until we get to the UV channel. Once we get to the bladder channel and we learn those points, then you would have to know all of them. But at least when I was teaching for now, we just kind of want to know that the back shoe points are good for the organs, but your teacher might be different. So after that, we get to the front move points. These are the points on the front of the body, and it's kind of the same story that they're good for the organs. So the front move points, move means to gather, to collect, or to accumulate. So these are the points where the chi of the organs gathers on the front of the body. And so each point is located on the chest or abdomen, again, roughly where the organ is located. And for this one, at least classically, what we might interpret is that front move points are more for yang type diseases. So that would be diseases involving excess, diseases involving heat, or diseases of the yang organs. But again, when we look in both Machiocha and Deadman, they kind of dance around the subject and say that in practice, both types of points be can be used for all types of diseases. So any pattern that involves the, the organ, you can use the front move point or the back shoe point, uh, regardless of its whether it's yin or yang. So here we have a list of the front move points. And again, there's one for every organ, but that's not necessarily on the corresponding channel. So sometimes, like with the lung, the front move point of the lung organ is lung one. It's on the same channel, but that's usually not the case. So the front move point of the spleen is liver 13. It's on a different channel, but it's in the same general area of where the spleen is. And so these are all, again, on the trunk located roughly where the organ is. 
uh, kind of the one funny one. We call them front move points in English, but we do have one point that is actually located on the back. So the front move point of the kidney is gallbladder 25, but that's actually located on the back uh, at the free end of the 12th rib. So just kind of a side note, if you're locating points, I feel like sometimes people have a lot of difficulty with this one, with locating gallbladder 25. Like they'll feel down the ribs and they'll get to the side of the body and they think that they're feeling the 12th rib. And actually that's the 11th rib, that's liver 13. For gallbladder 25, that point is definitely located on the back. It's like three and a half soon lateral to the midline. So when you're locating this point, make sure you're locating a point that's on the back of the body, not on the side of the body. But anyway, those are front moo and back shoe points. And where these came, uh, where that uh, statement kind of came from is from the Nanjing, the 67th difficult issue of the Nanjing. And this is a thing where like sometimes we don't always talk about the classics a lot. So when it, when something pops up, I like to include excerpts from the classics. So this is from chapter 67 of the Nanjing. All the accumulation or front move points associated with the Fa Zong are located on the yin side of the body. So front move points are the front of the body is yin. Front move points are on the yin side. All the transportation or back shoe points are located on the yang side of the body. The back of the body is yang, but it has the back shoe points. So it says, it is like this. Yin illnesses may move from the yang section of the body and yang diseases move to the yin section of the body. So we're moving from uh, yang to yin and yin to yang. And that's why front move points are located on the yin side of the body. And that's why back shoe points are located on the yang side of the body. And when we take this statement and combine it with some other classical statements, we can kind of infer that they're trying to say that Front mood points are on the yin side of the body, but we use them for yang diseases. Back shoe points are on the back side, are on the yang side of the body, but we use them for yin diseases. So we can maybe kind of infer that. I don't think it outright says it, says it like that. It just says that the illnesses move from yin to yang, but some people will interpret it that way. But I think most people can agree that both modern times and in classical point prescriptions, both points are used for both things. So for example, let's say someone has a UTI-like condition, they have painful burning urination, and we say that's an excess damp heat in the lower jowl. We would call that an excess heat condition. Well, we can use REN3, the front move point of the UB, or we can also use UB28 at the same time, the back shoe point. Even though it's a, a uh, an acute excess heat condition, we would still use the back shoe point of the urinary bladder to treat that disease. So that's kind of the gist of this is that we'll use both for both things. So just kind of summarize, front moo and back shoe points treat the organs and not the channel. So these are located next to the organs. They treat things at the organ level. They don't treat channel problems. Again, the classical, you said front move for yang, back shoe for yin, but really uh, we can treat both types of things with both types of points. So just for now, just think front move and back shoe, treat the organs. And then this is interesting. We say both front move and back shoe points can become tender in response to a disharmony in their respective organ. Thus, they can be used diagnostically. I would say that this is especially true for the front move points, that in fact the front move points are also sometimes called alarm points because when there's something wrong in the organ, the front move point will feel tender. And so that means we can use these points diagnostically as well. If you're not sure if the organ is, is affected or which organ is affected, you can go around and palpate some of those front move points and see if one of them is especially tender. So I think, uh, this this is definitely true of the front move points, and I would say it's more true of the front move points, but I do know practitioners who do this with the back shoe points as well. And I think uh, Machiocha in his book even says that the back shoe points can be used diagnostically as well. So I'd say it's definitely true for the front move points because we call them alarm points, but it's also true for the back shoe points as well. So we can use these diagnostically to see if there's something going on in the organs. And then we can just say that front move points and back shoe points are often combined together 
in a treatment. So we use the example of painful urination. You might use both REN3 on the front and UB28 on the back. It's just that either you'd have to flip the person over or you'd have to have them lying on their side so that you could get to both points. But it is common that if you have an issue of the organ, you can use both the front MU and the back shoe points together. So those are the front MU and back shoe points. Next, we get into the Huey meeting points. We sometimes call these the eight Huey meeting points, the eight gathering points, or the eight influential points, depending on which book you're reading. And basically, this is just a collection of eight points that have an influence on one of the body's tissues, like the bones, the marrow, the blood, the sinews. And so these just influence or have an effect on those tissues. So the word hui in Chinese means to meet, to gather, or to assemble. So again, these are sometimes called the eight influential points if you're reading H.P. Kim. They might be called the eight gathering points if you're reading Machiocha or something translated by Paul Unschuld. Or if you're reading Deadman, they're the eight hui meeting points. And so basically each of the body's functional systems, like the zhang, the yin organs, the fu, the yang organs, the bones, the sinews, the marrow, the blood, each of these functional systems has one point where the qi gathers or assembles or meets up and accumulates. So what that means is by needling that point, we can have an effect on that system because that's where the qi is gathering. So needling this point can remove pathogenic qi from that system. And so this is another one. I like to bring up some uh, classical statements. So this is where these eight gathering points come from, from chapter 45 of the Nanjing. And this is kind of a funny one uh, for a couple reasons. So first it says, the classic speaks of the eight gathering points. And when it says the classic, it means the Huangdi Neijing, the yellow emperors in her classic. So it says, the classic speaks of the eight gathering points. And it's like, no, it doesn't. The Neijing doesn't mention these points. This is the first time these points are mentioned. You totally made that up. But anyway, it says, what are they? It is like this. The qi of the fu, or the yang organs, gathers at tai tsang. The qi of the zhang, or yin organs, gathers at the ji xue. The qi of the sinews gathers at the yang ling chuen. The qi of the bone marrow gathers at the jue gu, blah, blah, blah. And so it lists each of these. And then it says, whenever an illness due to heat is present inside the body, one should, uh, one should need to select the respective point where the qi of the effective entity gathers. And so here, this chapter is just listing out these eight influential points, or eight hui meeting points, or eight gathering points. And here's what we have uh, for these eight. The, the yin organs, the yang organs, the qi, which is kind of weird to say, the qi of the qi gathers at Ren 17. The qi of the blood gathers at UB 17. The qi of the tendons or sinews gathers at gallbladder 34. The qi of the vessels gathers at lung 8, the chi of the bone gathers at UB11, the chi of the marrow, and so on. So what's kind of, the other kind of funny things about this passage is, number one, when it describes some of these points, not all of these are actual points. So when you say the chi of the sinews gathers at Yang Ling Chuen, the Yang Ling Chuen is the name of gallbladder 34, so we know for sure that we're talking about gallbladder 34. But some of them are actually a little bit more vague, and we kind of have to interpret it. So it says, the qi of the fu gathers at tai tsang. Tai tsang means great granary. There's no point in Chinese named great granary. Great, that just refers to the stomach. So we're kind of inferring that means ren 12, the front move of the stomach. Um, so, so there are a couple like that. Uh, the qi of the blood gathers at Gushu. That's the name of a point UB, uh, UB17. But when we say uh, the the qi of the the qi of the marrow gathers at jue yeah the qi of the bone marrow gathers at jue gu that's just the name of a bone it's not actually the name of the point it just said it gathers near this bone and I think we're not entirely sure where that is so when we say uh, the marrow is gb thirty nine. 
there are some people who read the Nanjing and they described a point that's three soon above the ankle, which is GB39. Some people described a point that's four soon above the ankle, which is GB38. And then there are some other people who said that, no, somebody copied this wrong, copied the word jue wrong. Uh, they actually meant a bone in the skull. So this one is actually should be UB9, uh, which is on the head, which kind of makes more sense because the brain is the sea of marrow. So you'd think it would be a point on the head. Uh, but that's just kind of interesting that uh, this one's maybe a little bit controversial about which point is really the Hui meeting point of the marrow. And then the other interesting thing here is that this passage of the Nanjing, it only lists what these points are. It just says the, the qi of the blood gathers at UB17, but it doesn't give any explanation why. There's no reason behind why these points are associated with these functional systems. So sometimes throughout time, people have tried to like guess or they make up their own stories. Like one of them is we say that the the meeting point of the blood is UB17. So UB17 is on the back. The name of that point is Shu, which means diaphragm shu. This point is right on top of the diaphragm. And so the story, the, the explanation some people give is that when you think about the blood, we say that the heart moves the blood, but it's the liver that stores the blood. So what that means is because the heart is in the chest and the liver is below the diaphragm, all of the blood must pass through the diaphragm at some point. And so that's why we say the diaphragm or UB17 shu is the gathering point because that's where the blood stops and meets and assembles. It's like they all stop and uh, drink some water around the, the water fountain. And so we don't, a lot of these, we don't really have reasons why we, we just, we can kind of guess maybe, but those are the eight Hui meeting points. And these are, can actually be very useful in clinic. I think especially when you talk about like GB34 is the influential point of the sinews or the gathering point of the sinews. This just means anytime we have something going on with the tendons or sinews, we can use gallbladder 34 because that's where the chi of the sinews gather. So if you're doing any type of sports medicine, when you're dealing with people with pulled muscles or knee problems or hip problems, it's probably the case that you could use gallbladder 34 in your treatment because that's where the chi of the sinews gathers. So those are the eight way meaning points, the eight gathering points, or the eight influential points. Next we have the Gao Wu command points. This could be the four command points, the five command points, or the six command points, depending on which book you read. Uh, and these are the points of Gao Wu. And so basically there was this guy named Gao Wu and he had four points that he thought were really cool. They were the most important points. And they, he said that each of them had an effect on a part of the body. And so we called these the Gao Wu command points. Initially, there were four of them. Then later generations added two more. So sometimes these are called the four command points. Uh, Machiocha in his book calls them the five command points. Uh, Deadman calls them the six command points. But Or we could just call them the Gao Wu command points. So this was first mentioned by Gao Wu in his book, The Glorious Anthology of Acupuncture and Moxibustion, which... I think it's great. Like all the, the classical books of acupuncture have really great names like the ode to elucidate mysteries and things like that. So this is uh, the glorious anthology of acupuncture and moxibustion uh, written during the Ming dynasty. And he believed that these were the four most useful or important points. And uh, then later we added two more. So that's why we have four or six or five. And so basically each of these points, when we say they're the most important or most useful, he just said they treat a certain area of the body. So stomach 36 is the command point of the abdomen. It's good for disorders of the abdomen. Basically anything that's going on in the abdomen, you can use stomach 36. UB40 is the command point of the back. We can say lumbar region and back. Some people just say low back, but it's really the entire back. UB40 is the command point of the back. So if somebody comes in with 
back issues, you can use UB40 because it's the command point of the back. Lung 7 for disorders of the head and nape. LI4, disorders of the face and mouth. And then later generations added on uh, pericardium 6 for disorders of the chest and rib side. Very liver, gallbladder, jui, yin, xiao, yang. And then D26 uh, for resuscitation. This is right under the nose. Uh, this is similar to when we said Jingwell points are good for reviving consciousness. And it's, it's at a very thin part. So if you press on there, it, like, it kind of hurts. It wakes you up. Same thing right here. If you just come below the nose a third of the way down, that's D26. And when you press in there, it kind of hurts. It's like if you were unconscious and somebody poked you there, you'd wake up and be like, ow, that hurts. But that's good because the fact that you said ow means that you're, you are now awake and that's what we were going for. So again, these are just points that are associated with areas of the body and this can be really helpful because for example, LI4 is the command point of the face. So anytime you have something going on in the face, you can L use LI4. So if you have a patient comes in, it's like, oh, they have eye problems. They have red eyes. They have dry eyes. They have a toothache. Well, the tooth is in your mouth. They have uh, acne around their lips. Well, that's on their face. Use LI4, the command point of the face. They have Bell's palsy and half of their face is drooping. They can't close their eyes. Well, that's the face. Use LI4 because it's the command point of the face. So these are very general points, but they're very useful to know in clinic because we can make good use of them. So those are the Gao Wu command points. We can call them the Gawu command points, the four or five or six command points. Next, we have the points of the four C's. Now, I'll be honest, these are kind of weird. This is, this is just something that comes from the, the Neijing, and so I'm not sure anybody actually uses this anymore, but it's mentioned in the Neijing, so we have to talk about it. It's this idea that the body has four C's, and with each of these four C's, we have certain symptoms that are associated with excess and deficiency of the four C's. And then we have points that we use to treat the four C's. And that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. So this comes from chapter 30 of the Ling Shu. It describes four C's in the human body. We have the C of Qi, the C of blood, the C of water and grain, or we can say the C of food, and then the C of marrow. And so this is that chapter. It says the human body has four seas and 12 water channels. So again, here we're using this analogy of water. We talked about this before where a lot of times we say the, the channels are like rivers or irrigation ditches. They're water pathways, whereas the eight extraordinary are like reservoirs. Here we're saying be, besides these 12 rivers, we also have four seas. So the water channels pour into the seas, of which there is one in the east, one in the west, one is in the north, and one in the south, making the four seas. And that list, this is the Sea of Marrow, the Sea of Blood, the Sea of Qi, and the Sea of Water and Grain. So these are the four seas that are mentioned in the Neijing. So it then describes the, after that passage, it describes the symptoms that occur when each C is either in an excess or deficient state. So we can have uh, excess condition of the sea of blood or a deficiency condition of the sea of blood for like that for each of the C's. And then each of these C's has points that you would use. If it was excess or deficient, it gives us a couple points that we'd use for treatment. So here we have the points of the four C's. And again, at least when I was in school and when I was teaching, I would not make you memorize these. I would, when I was teaching, what we had to know about the four C's is you had to know what the four C's were and you had to know the excess and deficiency conditions of the four C's. So I have the points listed here, but at least when I was in school, I, we didn't have to memorize them because you would just be memorizing things being like, oh, do 16 is the point of the Sea of Marrow. I have no idea where that is or what that means. So your, your school might be different. It could be that if you're learning these point categories, your teacher makes you memorize all the points that you've never located before. And if that's true, I'm sorry. But what we really want to know is what are the excess and deficiency conditions of these four C's for now. And then later when we learn the points, we can kind of reconnect them back together. So for the C of Qi, we have an excess of the Qi of C is fullness in the chest, urgent breathing, and a red complexion. For deficiency, we have scanty energy, insufficient for speech. 
So here we're talking about the C of qi. You can maybe think about the qi being connected to the lungs. That when we, qi, when we say qi, we also mean air. When you do qigong, you're doing breathing exercises. So if you have like too much qi in the lung, it's like you have fullness in the chest and uh, it's difficult to breathe because it's like your, your lungs and your chest are full. So that's an excess condition of the C of qi. Whereas with deficiency, you, if you don't have enough qi, you just don't have enough energy. You don't have enough energy to move or to speak. So those are the, that's why we have excess and deficiency conditions of the sea of qi. The sea of blood is kind of inter interesting. Here we say a sensation of the body as if the body were big and disquiet, whereas a deficiency is a sensation as if the body were small, uh, feeling reduced. And I don't know, to me that just sounds kind of funny. It, it's like when, when, People get really high and they're like, oh my God, my hands are so big. Like, I feel like that would be like an excess condition of the sea of blood. Um, or maybe another one I think about, this is really mean, but I don't know. It's If you ever did this when you were a kid, if a, if a mosquito landed on you and started biting you, you could tense up your muscles and it would get stuck and it would just keep drinking blood. And so its body would expand and it would get bigger. It's like it has an excess in its sea of blood. All that blood is making it expand and making its body bigger. That's kind of mean and kind of gross, but maybe that's one way to remember the sea of blood. When we have an excess of the sea of blood, the body feels bigger than it actually is. And when we have a deficiency of the sea of blood, the body feels smaller than it actually is. Sea of water and grain, this has to do with the food, so it's kind of straightforward. An excess is abdominal fullness, like you ate too much and now you're now you got abdominal fullness. And a deficiency condition is hunger with inability to eat. And this kind of has to do, we can maybe think about the spleen that your spleen is supposed to digest the food, but if you have spleen deficiency, your spleen can't work right. You can't digest the food. So even though you're hungry, you have an inability to eat, your sea of food and or your sea of water and grain is so weak, it can't even digest and absorb the food. So that's why you have inability to eat, hunger with inability to eat in a deficiency condition. Sea of marrow, remember when he's... Um, this might make sense if you think about the, we said that the brain is also called the sea of marrow. So we have uh, an excess is lightness of the body and much strength. So remember the marrow fills the bones. So if you have a lot of marrow, you'll feel strong and indestructible because your bones are full of marrow. But a deficiency condition is whirring sensation of the brain, dizziness, tinnitus, uh, pain in the legs, impaired vision, desire, desire to sleep. Again, we can think about whirring sensation in the brain because the brain is the sea of marrow. And then we have dizziness, tinnitus, and impaired vision because it's like our sea of marrow, the brain is deficient. So our, our sense organs aren't working properly. And here our points are do 16 and do 20. Uh, these are points on the head, and actually the dew channel has a branch that enters the brain. So as the dew channel comes up, it go, it enters into the skull at dew 16, enters the brain, and then reemerges at dew 20. So that's why those points are associated there. And so that is the sea of marrow. I guess this is also interesting to point out here because sometimes when we speak classically, people think that people in Chinese medicine didn't know much about the brain. Uh, or that the brain didn't exist. And so this is just something that even though we're calling it the sea of marrow, we still have these ideas about things going on in the brain. So those are the points of the four C's. Again, um, this is something that we always learn because it's, it was in the Neijing, it's in Deadman, it's in Machiocha, so we always teach it, we always learn it. But honestly, I don't know of very many people who use these points clinically. So it might be something you have to remember. It might be something you'll, you'll want to review before your finals, before your comps, before your board exams. You'll want to review it. But honestly, when you get to the clinic, you might not see this pop up very much. So I'm not sure that this is as clinically useful as some of the other points. When you talk about like the, the Gawu command point of the face, people come in with problems in their face all the time. Uh, you don't very often see people coming in with a sensation that their body is bigger than it actually is. That That's not quite as common. So you may or may not actually use these points in clinic. 
After that, we get to window of heaven points. These are called window of heaven points or window of the sky points. And these are, these are interesting points. Uh, when we say window of heaven or uh, window of the sky, it's like your head corresponds to heaven. It's uh, the upper part of your body, so it's the heaven. When we talk about uh, people being between heaven and earth, your head is the part that's towards heaven. And so these are points that are all located around the neck and they have something to do with harmonizing the flow of chi between your head and the rest of the body. And that comes up in very interesting ways. So uh, window of heaven points is a group of 10 points known as window of the sky points or window of heaven points. And most of these points have the word heaven in their name, tian, like tian fu, uh, lung three. So they might have the word heaven in the name, not all of them, but some of them do. And most of these points are located around the neck because, again, the head is the heaven part of the body. And we can use these points to treat several things because kind of the idea here is you can think of that chi has to flow between the, between the body and the head. It has to flow back and forth harmoniously. Whereas this area around the neck, it's like a bottleneck. It's a place where things narrow. So it's very easy for like traffic jams to occur or it's very easy for things to get stuck and they can't go between the head and the rest of the body. So a lot of our signs and symptoms are related to that. So we can have disharmony between the chi of the body and the head. And what we mean by this is either rebellious chi or headache. So it could be that the, the chi is not flowing harmoniously between the head and the body, so it starts to rebel upwards. Things like coughing and wheezing is rebellious lung chi. Nausea and vomiting is, re, is rebellious stomach chi. Or we can have chi that goes up into the head and it gets stuck. And because everything here is real tight, it gets stuck up there and can't come back down. And so now we have headache. So, so those are some of the things we can treat with these window of heaven points. We can also say scrofula and goiter because these are just nodules on the neck. This is very straightforward that most of these points are on the neck. So they treat disorders of the neck. And that includes nodules on the neck like goiter and scrofula. These can treat diseases of sudden onset like sudden loss of voice, sudden deafness. And we say this has, this is called like an inversion syndrome where again, it maybe the chi rebels upward suddenly and then it gets stuck up there and it can't come back down. So we have sudden loss of voice, sudden deafness. Uh, so we need to open up this area so that the chi can flow back down. And this is related to disorders of the sense organs because the sense organs are in the head, so if that chi gets up, goes upward and gets stuck, we can have things like deafness, ear pain, visual dizziness, things that are happening in the head because the chi went up there and chi got stuck. So we need to open up the neck so the chi can go back down towards the body. Then we can also say psycho-emotional disorders. And this is a little bit weird because it's kind of like some of these points are very good for treating emotional disorders like anxiety, mania, depression. So some of these points do treat those disorders, but a lot of them also don't. And then there are a lot of points that are not window of heaven points that also treat psycho-emotional disorders. So it's it's kind of hard to say. It's kind of like we say psycho-emotional disorders, but really like classically half of them treat psycho-emotional orders like depression, anxiety, and mania. But I think some of what this is referenced to is if you study J.R. Worsley five element uh, style acupuncture, then window of heaven or window of the sky points are very important. They interpret these points where it's if a person is feeling down, depressed, it's like they have leaves uh, are it's like there's a window and they can't see the sky. It's like all these leaves are blocking the light coming in. And so you need these window of heaven points and that clears away the leaves so the heavenly light can shine through. And now you feel good and optimistic about your life. Um, so that's one interpretation of these points. But I think when we look at the classical functions and indications, some of these points treat psycho-emotional disorders and some of them don't. So, but that's another function of the window of heaven points. So when you look at these, um, these are all mostly located around the neck. So stomach 9, LI18, REN22, DO16 at the back of the head. These are all located around the neck. We have two exceptions, which is lung 3, which is located on the arm, and 
pericardium one, which is on the chest, while the other ones are located around the neck. And so that's why we can open up the neck so that the chi can flow harmoniously between the head and the upper body. And then just one note here about SI-17 that uh, some people say, basically in a book it listed SI-17 as a window of heaven point, and a lot of people think that that was a mistake uh, based on the context of this book. Uh, they meant to say gallbladder nine, and kind of the context of the book is like, now we'll talk about the Shaoyang, and then it named the point, and it said Tian Rong, and like, that's not a Shaoyang point. And so it could be that the person copied the character down wrong. They, they wrote uh, Tian Rong when they meant to write Tian Chong. And so some people will say that gallbladder nine is actually a window of heaven point, which would make more sense because now we have all of the yang organs being represented. So that's just something to think about. Sometimes I think usually when you memorize a list, they just put in SI-17, but it could be that you could use GB9 as well. So those are window of heaven points. Next is the 12 heavenly star points. We can call these also call these the Madang Yang heavenly star points. And so basically, a long time ago, there was this guy named Madang Yang, and he put together this collection of points that he thought were the 11 most important points. They were the 11 points he used most often. He said, like, of all the stars in the sky, it's these 11 that shine the brightest and are the most important. And he liked these points so much that he wrote a song about them, or he wrote a poem about them called The Ode to the Heavenly Star Points. And originally there were 11 of them. Uh, later, one of his students added a 12th one, so we call these the 12 Heavenly Star Points, or the Madang Yang Heavenly Star Points. So Madang Yang wrote the Song of the Eleven heavenly star points during the Jin dynasty, and later his student Shu Feng added a twelfth one, liver three. So now we call it Ma Yang's twelve heavenly star points. We just call it the heavenly star points or Ma Yang's heavenly star points. And these are the points that he considered the most essential to know. So so he, he wrote this song. It was, it was kind of like just a, a nice song to help students remember that he starts out saying, uh, actually starts out, 360 points are not as good as 11 points. This method few people know. All locks are open from their doors. The moment the needle treats the illness, the results are like hot water poured upon the snow. Um, so then he goes on and basically there's a, there's a stanza for each of these 11 points where he briefly describes the location and then he describes... Uh, what kind of things they can treat. So this is kind of small, but if you download the uh, slides, you'll probably be able to see it better. So like lung seven for one-sided headache, wind bee, phlegm obstruction, LI4 for headache, swelling of the face, tooth decay. So again, we're talking about disorders of the face. We said this is the Gaowu command point of the face. It's also a Madangyang heavenly star point to treat the face. LI11 for skin disorders. It's really good for rashes. Uh, I think this is funny. He says it's for inability to draw a bow or to comb the hair. So LI11 is uh, on the outside of the elbow. And in modern times, we say this is good for a uh, tennis elbow, because I guess people still play tennis. Uh, but in modern Yang's time, he said this is for inability to draw a bow or inability to comb the hair. So basically what's going on here is this guy, Ma Yang, kind of said, it's better to know 11 points really well than to know 360 points kind of crappily. And he said these are the most, uh, the 11 most important. So they're not really related in any way in terms of their function. It's just we kind of pay attention to this because we can use that to know that these points are really important. We can kind of take the same approach as it's hard to memorize the functions and indications of 361 points plus 40 extra points. So which are the points we should pay attention to? Well, if Ma Dan Yang said you could pay attention to them, you should probably pay attention to them. So when you talk about your patient comes in with hemorrhoids, you're like, what point should I use to treat hemorrhoids? You can be like, well, you should use UB57 to treat hemorrhoids. Turns out UB57 is so good at treating hemorrhoids, some guy wrote a song about it. That's kind of what we mean by our heavenly star points. It's just like, these points were so important, some guy wrote a song about them. And then we get later added on liver three. So some point, some guy amended that song to add liver three. That's how important that is. We had to go back and 
re-record that song. So that's the Ma Dang Yang Heavenly Star Points. And I kind of feel like this is like the clickbait version of, of Chinese medicine. That back in the day, this is this would have been his his BuzzFeed article where it's like, oh, the 11 points you must know if you are an acupuncturist. Classical physicians hate this guy. Learn this one secret trick of the 11 heavenly star points. So uh, that's Ma Dang Yang, heavenly star points. Next, we get into the Sun Simiao ghost points, the 13 ghost points of Sun Simiao. Sun Simiao was a physician, and he wrote a book, um, uh, Prescriptions Worth a Thousand Ducats of Gold, and in this he mentioned these 13 ghost points, and these were points for conditions that we might have associated if a person, if they thought a person was possessed by spirits, like um, seizures or epilepsy. Maybe at one time they thought this meant the person was possessed by ghosts, so it would use these ghost points. And there are 13 of them. So this is listed by Sun Simiao in his book Prescriptions Worth a Thousand Pieces of Gold in the 7th century. He used these points for the treatment of mania and epilepsy. Maybe at one time people thought people were possessed by ghosts, uh, exhibited these symptoms. And he actually gave each point a new name with the word ghost in it. So he, he took these points that already had Chinese names and he gave them a new, a new alias to call them ghosty. And historically, there's been some ambiguity concerning these points. So we'll talk about that. So these are the 13 ghost points of Sun Miao. So here we, on the first column, we have the point. Then we have its regular name. So if you... Uh, if you go into your deadman and look up the name of the points, the name of Du 16 is Feng Fu Wind Market, but Sun Miao renamed it Gu Zhen, Ghost Palace. So he did this with all the points. And when we say there's some ambiguity here, it's kind of like uh, people aren't sure exactly what he meant here, just because he made up names and people weren't sure entirely sure what points they were referring to. So some people say it's this point. Other people say these, they have a different list of points that it might refer to something else. So uh, these, these may or may not be what Sun Miao actually intended. Kind of the other interesting thing here is some people debate about these points because a lot of times when you learn them, when you read your textbooks, we talk about this as if it's a category of points, that this is a list of points. If you wanted to pick and choose some points, you could. Maybe you're you're treating a patient, you do your root treatment, and then you say, oh, I'm going to add in do 16 because it's a ghost point. That's not really what Sun Miao meant. When you go back and read his text, this isn't just a category or a group of points. This was a treatment. This was a point prescription. So if somebody was exhibiting these symptoms, the patient would come in, he would needle these 13 points in a specific order, and that was your treatment. You didn't add things on. You didn't just pull out the ones that you thought applied most. This was the treatment. And I think that in modern clinics, a lot of people forget that or they don't necessarily apply it that way. So that's also something to think about. But um, a lot of these points actually kind of make sense. So if we, you remember some of our other categories, um, like a lot of these points are Jingwell points. Remember we said Jingwell points are the first or last point on the channel and they're very good for quickly clearing excess or quickly clearing heat. So if a person has mania or or some mental emotional disorder. It could be that they have a lot of excess heat and we need to clear it out quickly. So points like um, lung, uh, lung 11 is a Jing Well point. Spleen 1 is a Jing Well point. Then we have points like pericardium 8 is a Ying Spring fire point. The Ying Spring points are very good at clearing heat. LI11 is a point that's very good at clearing heat. Here again, we have DU16 is a point associated with the brain. So things like that. So a lot of these points do, do kind of make sense. Uh, stomach 6 is an interesting one. It's actually on the, the jaw. And uh, I've heard some people say that this doesn't actually have any action of calming the spirit or clearing heat or anything like that. It's just that if a person had a seizure, they usually clench their jaw a lot and they might experience some jaw pain. So stomach six is really just there to relieve that jaw pain from clenching your jaw. 
So that's kind of what we're dealing with here with these 13 ghost points, the 13 ghost points of Sun Sumiao. And maybe you'll you'll use these and maybe you'll you won't. And then maybe another thing I'll say is just based on uh, what I've read and what I know is I think when we say that this is like people were possessed by ghosts, we didn't they didn't mean that literally. I, I think that, I think that was just a, a figurative way of describing it. I don't think that the they literally thought that people were possessed by ghosts because we see this come up in other times where like if a person has a very high fever and they start speaking incoherently, they they have delirious speech. We they could call this speaking with ghosts. They didn't literally think they were talking with ghosts. It just was a figure of speech. Or if men had a uh, spontaneous nocturnal emissions. We say, oh, he's sleeping with ghosts. I don't, they didn't actually think that uh, a, a spirit or a succubus was coming and having and sleeping with a man during night. It was just a figure of speech. Kind of like when we say heartburn, we know that your heart isn't actually burning. It's acid reflux, but we, do, we still just say heartburn because that's a way to describe it. So I believe at, at this period of time, even though we call them ghost points, we shouldn't literally think that at the time people thought the, these patients were possessed by ghosts. I think at this point it had more of a figurative meaning. After that, we get to points of the eye system. And this is another uh, kind of weird one. Uh, I don't think this comes up very much. If you're following along in Deadman, Deadman doesn't even mention these points. These points are mentioned in like one paragraph in uh, Machiocha's uh, book. And so this was another a list of points that were mentioned in the Neijing. So because of that, Machiocha mentions them. And if you're if you follow along with Machiocha, you'll probably have to learn these. So chapter 80 of the Ling Shu describes the eye system, the Mu Xi. And the idea here is the qi of the organs ascends to the eyes, communicates with the channels, ascends to the vertex, enters the brain, and then emerges at the occiput. So we're going from the organs up to the vertex, uh, goes down into the brain, and then comes out. Again, we have this connection between Du 20 and Du 16. Uh, that's this pathway that we're talking about. The eye system is sometimes translated as the optic nerve, so mu shi can mean optic nerve. And these points are located around the eyes or around the occiput, which makes sense based on what we said, and can be used for brain disorders, neurological disorders, and mental illness. And so maybe this is just something you have to remember when we say points of the eye system, we don't just mean eyes, we mean that they go to the eyes and then connect to the brain. So we're really, when we say eye system, we're really more talking about brain conditions brain disorders, neurological disorders, and mental illness. So these are the points of the eye system. And again, if it were my class, I would say you don't have to memorize these. You just need to know theoretically what, what we do we mean by the eye system. But it could be in your school they will make you memorize these, and I'm sorry. But most of these points are located around the eye. So UB1, UB2, stomach 1, gallbladder 1. Uh, some of them are located on the side of the head. And again, in the back, we have do 16 in the back of the head. Uh, UB10, GB20 are all in the back of the head near the brain, near the brain stem. Some of these, like do 16, you have to be careful with your needling angle because if you go in the wrong direction, you might hit the brain or their brain stem. So that can tell us that these points are good for brain disorders. So again, points of the eye system, I'm not, I've never seen anybody use this clinically where they had a, a, a disorder and they say, I'm going to use the points of the eye system. But it is something that comes up in Machiocha, so you might have to be familiar with these. After that, we talk about meeting points. This is not technically a category, but I like to talk about this at some point, and this just seems like the best where, place to put it. We say meeting points. This isn't really a category of points. But when we say meeting points, this is where channels intersect. So we could have one point that has an effect on more than one channel, and we call that a meeting point or a crossing point. So points where the channels intersect are called meeting points or crossing points. These points are able to influence more than one channel. So for example, we have spleen six is a crossing point of the spleen, kidney, and liver channels. Uh, the name of the point is actually uh, san yin jiao, or three yin meeting. 
And so when we needle spleen six, we can actually have an effect on all three channels. So even though this is a point on the spleen channel, we call it spleen six, it does things to the spleen. But because it's a meeting point on the liver and kidney channels, it can also affect those channels as well. So that's what we mean by a meeting point. Now, kind of the thing to remember about this is when you say a meeting point or crossing point, don't take that too literally. Sometimes uh, students, when they say crossing point, they're, they're looking for like the channels are like lines and they intersect and that intersection is where the crossing point occurs. Um, that's not actually how it is. When you look at these points, it's usually the channels are not intersecting. When we say they're crossing points, it's just like they're able to influence the other channels. They don't physically cross. So don't think about these of like a, an intersection on the road where you can get off one highway and go on to another. That's not what it's like. It's more like some of these points are like a Wi-Fi hotspot where they're able to branch out and communicate with the other channels, but they don't physically cross. And so usually as you go through and learn the channels, it could be that you'll have to learn these crossing points or memorize these crossing points. A lot of times we denote it with a triangle. So and sometimes in school we call them triangle points. So just as you start going through the channels, if we start saying these are the crossing points on this channel, that's what we mean. That when we say this is a crossing point on the lung channel, that there's this other channel that's not on the lung, but it has an effect on the lung channel because they communicate in some way. So that's what we mean by meeting points or crossing points. And it could be at some point you're going to have to memorize all those. In fact, before boards, you're probably going to have to memorize all those. So I just like to bring it up now. So later when you get in the channels and you see all the notes and it says triangle points or crossing points, this is what we mean. And finally, something that isn't really a category, but is kind of a category that I like to talk about is we sometimes refer to certain points as empirical points. And so the word empirical, what that means is when we say something is empirical, we mean it, we know it's true because we've observed it and we have practical evidence that it's true, but we don't have logical reasoning as to why it's true. I don't think that made any sense. When we say empirical, we mean it's not necessarily, we didn't deduce this through logical reasoning or by theoretical constructs. When we say it's empirical, we mean uh, it's through observation and through experience. So we can also call these experiential points. And basically, these are points that do things and we don't know why they do them. There's no reason it should work. So when we say stomach 38 is the empirical point for shoulder pain, there's really no reason why stomach 38 should treat the shoulder. When you look at the pathway of the stomach channel, it doesn't go anywhere near the shoulder. When, we look, when you think about joint things, there's no reason the stomach channel should treat joints, much less the shoulder joint. But it just so happens that through experience, over time, people were needling stomach 38, and they're like, hey, my shoulder feels better. And now we say that stomach 38 is the empirical point for shoulder pain. Lung 7 is the empirical point for headache. The lung channel doesn't go up to the head. The lung channel goes to the throat, or it comes up to the throat and then comes down the arm. It doesn't go anywhere near the head. So there's really no reason why lung 7 should treat headache. Uh, some people like to say, well, lung 7 is the little connecting point, the, and then the 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 large intestine sinew channel wraps around the head. I feel like that's a bit of a stretch, I think, but at least in Deadman, he says this is an empirical point. Um, SI4 for jaundice, DU10 for carbuncles. Gallbladder 36 for rabies. I think that's kind of weird. I feel like you can't actually treat rabies, so I'm not sure where that came from. Then I added SI, SI1 and SI11 for lactation because for this one, some people say these are empirical points and some people say they're not. That Some people say, oh, we can say that points on the small intestine channel are good for promoting lactation because uh, it has to do with separating the clear from the turbid or because this channel comes down to the middle of the breast. Other people will just straight up say, this isn't empirical. Like that, that explanation separating the clear from the turbid has something to do with lactation, that's a bit of a stretch. Oh, the, it had, there's a branch that comes down to REN17, eh, still kind of a bit of a stretch. So some people will say that SI1 and SI11 are empirical points uh, for lactation. And then just I feel like sometimes that there are people who, go, who do go a little bit too far for this, uh, where they'll start calling things empirical points. And what they mean by that is just that this point works really, really well. And I think that's not exactly what we mean by empirical. So when 
I saw somebody was saying, liver five is the empirical point for issues in the genital. It's like, no, the liver five, there's a very good reason why liver five treats itchy genitals. It's because liver five is a low connecting point. The low connecting channel goes to the genitals. So we have a very good reason, uh, logical, theoretical reason, why liver five treats the, uh, the genitals. So we shouldn't really call it an empirical point, but some people will, will use the word that way. I just put these here because that's what Deadman says. So those are our point categories. So that's, we got through all of the categories in part one. Again, we went through those antique points. We went through points that exist on every channel. So uh, the five shoe transport points, little connecting points, she cleft points, yuan source points that exist on every channel. And this time uh, we filled in the rest that these categories were more just collections of points. They didn't have anything to do with the chi dynamic or how the chi is flowing at a particular point in the channel. It's just more that they were collections of points that either they all affect a tissue or just some guy thought they were cool. And so we named a bunch of points after him. So those are, so that is part two of our point categories. That's it for now. Again, thank you to everybody who supports this channel. This video is brought to you by viewers like you. So to everyone who su uh, supports the channel, thank you. Whether that's joining the Patreon, whether that's making a donation through buy me a coffee or super thanks, whether that's uh, purchasing paid courses, those all support the channel and everything we do. And when I say we, I mean I. That supports everything I do in terms of making content for you. Thank you. I know that not everybody has the funds to give support because you're a student, but sometimes even just sharing these videos, liking them or sharing them with people in your study groups also helps us out. So thank you very for, much for that. Again, you can get slides for this on the website or listen to the audio version. But that's it for now. We'll see you next time.